Hello there. We are ninja. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, an unlikely band of nerds united over their common love for the Star Wars Legion miniatures game. We Are Legion is a podcast dedicated to coverage of all aspects of the hobby, from competitive play and list building to painting, modelling and terrain building. And now, here are your hosts. And welcome back, Legionnaires, to We Are Legion, a Star Wars Legion podcast with a down-under flavour. I'm your host, Sin Exhaust Port Designer Fang, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts. Support Officer Cooper and Intel Officer Luke. Uh, so in the final episode of our season one, we are going to wrap up the play development uh, series. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, tactics as well as uh, this building. So guys, um, final episode, uh, we made it. How are you feeling? I, I worked out I really dislike global pandemics. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Second on that. Not a, not a big fan. No, no. Yeah, I thought it might break well for me, but no. That's deep, man. You really do. <laughs> so, General Kara is uh, sitting at the table as well, currently painting up some clones. Purple! Yes, yeah. So, she's out of her editing dungeon. <laughs> she's into a new one. It's the painting dungeon. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I salute to you. <laughs> I, I have done... I, I have done some isolation painting. I've done two units of Rebels and I've done, I actually did, I finished off my sis are completely painted. Um, and Whereas mine haven't come out of the box yet. Yeah, you, look, you got a lot of problems, man. <laughs> I'm working on the clones, all right? I've yeah. a lot of boxes sitting there. He does, he does, yeah. Like about 20. Yeah. yeah. Let's add a few more to that number. <laughs> it's definitely, but yeah, I definitely, I'm slowly getting there. It's... It's tough because, like, it's the first time I've touched the rebels since I lost that army, and it's always it's it's always going to be a slog because I've done that whole army before. So there's just there's no joy in painting it because I think that entire time I'm reminded of the fact that I've done this once before. And originally, actually, and a big part of that to kind of force myself to to get over the line was original my original paint scheme was like a desert theme which was for both uh like the basing for both my imperials and rebels was the same and then because the rebels have like more freedom of you know unit coloring they were desert themed no i had to scrap that couldn't do it i like did like one unit and i was like wow i'm never going to do an army in desert for rebels so (laughs) i had to change them so they're now lamu so they got the like the black sand like the iceland style base and they they got like a green scheme but that's pretty much yeah. That's pretty much how I'm feeling lately. Feels less, uh, less, somewhat less, uh, less of a drudgery. Yeah. Uh, you know, changing, yeah, changing the uh, the, the base. Yeah. Whereas I'm painting a clone army. So, you know, yet another white army. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a slow slog. I'm uh, I'm two units in now. What 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 fresh hell is painting white armor repeatedly? <laughs> uh, it's off the back of uh, I should have done the droids first because off the back of painting a imperial army. So that, it's, it's entirely white into white, and I was like, ah, it's like this will be great. I'll try a different style of doing white, and then yeah, absolute that, hate. That is my advice actually to anyone who is who is really despises painting and is looking to pick up either a second army or their first army. Just do droids. Droids are the answer. I've done every faction now except Gar at least once. 
droids by far and away. The build time is awful compared to the other factions. But man, the painting time is a breeze. You basically, <laughs> you undercoat, you put down a layer of like skeleton horde, you put down your black uh, black Templar on the guns, you're done. That's it. Varnish. Do your base and varnish. It's, it's, it's a breeze. It's a dream. <laughs> And Luke will be publishing his um, his his uh, cheater's guide to painting uh, very soon. Yeah, yeah, correct. How are you doing? How how's things? I like you. Know, I mean, I feel like you obviously also meant like what our thoughts on the the show was, and not just life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll definitely ignore a neon sign posting. We're uh, a deep group. We're yeah, a deep group. Yeah, we are. Yeah. How how are you feeling, sir? Uh, yeah, yeah, feeling like, like uh, you know, we've gone through a bit of a journey, um, you know, even though uh, this is um, uh, just episode seven, uh, you know, we had planned to go on for a while longer uh, to finish season one, and, you know, of course, um, with world events being, being what they are, uh, we finish in a little bit early, um, but, you know, uh, like, we, we've, we've, um, we've uh, kind of covered a lot, we've, we've done a lot um, in, in seven episodes, um, you know, kind of um, uh, talk to so many, so many uh, people, you know, uh, different um, people from around the community uh, about, um, you know, painting, about building uh, amazing tables, uh, about um, uh, building the community. Uh, we talk to people from, uh, from around uh, Australia. Um, so, yeah, it kind of, kind of feels like a bit of a journey, you know, um, and, you know, you kind of, Doing podcasting for the very first time, and, and you know all the all the uh, hard work, uh, all the blood, sweat, and tears uh, um, uh, that comes with that as well. Um, sorry, a little bit philosoph- philosophical. That's good. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like just just in case anyone was in the audience was confused, the. The hard work, I feel like, was code for wanting to murder your co-hosts at varying at various points. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened uh, at least at least for each of us. Yeah, twice. Right. And, and Fang, Fang, Fang is definitely just like, oh yeah, no, oh yeah, I, I'd, I'd murder you a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right, Luke. We, we all murdered okay. you a couple of times too. We're enrolling a uh, PhD in cat herding. Um, yeah, there it so, is. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is gonna become easier over time. I'm just, I'm just picturing you, like you know, talking with like your thesis professor, and they're, they're just like, well, you know, like it is very hard to get practical experience, in, you know, in herding cats, and you're just like, yeah, I'm hosting a, a like a, a, a podcast. Bo- yeah, a podcast. He's like, for nerds. For nerds. He's like, oh well, say no more. All right, you have all the experience <laughs> yeah. you need. <laughs> Carry on my way with son. You, you should be teaching the class, <laughs> not that. Also, I can't help you. Yes, <laughs> you, you're screwed. <laughs> uh. um, okay. So, um, guys, um, uh, before we jump into the play development series, I uh, just wanted to give you an update on our distribution status. Um, so, these are the platforms we... There's a couple of new ones, and I'll just run through the, the whole list uh, to be comprehensive. Uh, so we are on Anchor, Breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Overcast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Drumroll, Apple Podcasts. Did you say that again, please? Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Did, did it take a whole season, but dust my ears deceive me? <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, you know, better, better, better late than never. Yeah. Um, you know, we've uh, we've had a f- 
have had three. We have had three goats um, to to distribute to Apple mm. and our our uh, overlords at uh, Apple had uh, finally uh, decided to to allow us uh, on their on their fine plan. Do you reckon? Do you reckon they got in touch with our overlords at the Fifth Trooper? Yeah. Like, is that? You think that's what made it happen? <laughs> yeah. Jay Jay Shalansky um, rang someone up and was. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, I've got this so Australian podcast. These guys." Star Wars actors, so you know, is there anything that man cannot do? It's true. It's true. It's true. He's like, "Yeah, like you say, Jay. I got this Australian podcast that I haven't listened to, but I'd like to to be on." <laughs> yeah, I made a call to Jay. I was like, "Jay, come on." Help us sister out. <laughs> <laughs> and the funniest thing is, then he comes out and says he doesn't listen to uh, us. I was just looking like forward to the uh, Fifth Trooper interview with uh, Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah, that'd be... Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to spoil that. <laughs> her, her thoughts on, on, you know, leave and, you know, painting. Um, her, her thoughts on uh, the, the upcoming uh, Ida Inversio uh, expansion. Yeah, I, I think she'd be a fan. That'd yeah. be, gut, gut feel, gut feel. I think yeah. she'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? What do you reckon? We we could do a we could do a sit down with Crabbuck. We 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 go through what units Meghan Markle would like and not like. Or <laughs> hey, that you know that that's actually a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. You know that thing we just talked about, guys, where we're like, there's that moment in every podcast we want to kill your co-hosts. Yeah, we're there. Yeah. Well, you're there. Me and Fang are having a great time. <laughs> uh, uh, I just feel sorry for Mega. I mean, she, she gets uh, so much shade cast on her from, from everybody, you know, from, from everybody. And here's our little <laughs> podcast throwing shade on her as well. What are you talking about? Throwing shade? There's nothing but adoration on my end. Wow. You think she'd be a fan. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Sarah, I'm just projecting. Yeah, jeez. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome, Megan. Way to talk yourself up there, Fang. <laughs> this is the moment where our audience begins to realize that our action plan for uh, <laughs> for transitioning, we're gonna we're, we're doing what all, all startups do. We've had a crisis happen. We're gonna pivot. We're gonna pivot into. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be a uh, British royal commentary. Yeah, podcast. yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I love you're complaining this is coming from the guy that like when the queen was doing her COVID-19 speech oh yeah you can't talk over the queen like I was talking to him and he's like shut up our queen is talking and I'm like oh oh is she darling didn't know who was a TM um, crumpets I, kind I, of man but I saw that uh, speech as well and that, that was that was some speech see yeah. anyway, can't talk over the queen um, bring this show back to <laughs> Heard those cats, son. Heard it. Stay Heard on it. target. Stay on target. <laughs> oh, we going to need a sound uh, effect for this. Let's dive into our main segment uh, for today. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. The last episode, the last segment of our play development series, I am one with the force. And the force is with me. me. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's do that again because it's going to be like one last time. So we should get it right. Go on, Fang. Uh, Lead us in. Right. I'm one with the force. And, and the, the force, force is with, with me. <laughs> it's a really bad time to take a sip of my drink. I even knew it was coming, the cue. You live life on the edge. I like to live dangerously. You live life on the edge. <laughs> uh. 
geez, guys. Um, all right, let's let's just power. Mm. Um, so let's start off with uh, tactics. So you know, we, we started off with um, strategy. Um, the uh, sorry, no, no, we started off with mindset. That is um, correct. It's so long ago. Now, so how about um, we let Luke discuss what we started off from? Right, he's got it. He's got it. Breaking it down. Uh, breaking down play development into more and more detail and finally we, we're kind of like learning at uh, tactics. Um, so, Intel, um, what are your thoughts on, on tactics? What are your tactical thoughts? What am I? <laughs> Your tactical thoughts. How long, how long have you been sitting on that one, man? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> my tactical thoughts. So, uh, so, what we discussed in the sort of while we're prepping for this episode, so we... In regards to tactics, I don't think we need to really talk too much because tactics, as we discussed when we were talking about strategy, tactics are like the how, the how you are achieving something. And in general, they are a plan for attaining a particular goal. They're they're the means by which you intend to attain a particular goal. Uh, They're very, generally, they're very like short term, very concrete in nature and Really, like a tactic is kind of like the, the, I think the best analogy for it that I could come up with is that they're kind of like a tool uh, and that having all the assortment of, of tactics is like having all these different tools in your toolbox. And yeah. so yeah. something that we've, we've sort of talked about earlier on is going to be, uh, you know, I think lots of references obviously now because we're so deep into sort of like the zoom in, so to speak references to sort of earlier discussion and where we sort of talked about that strategy and tactics are a, kind of like a spectrum and then that at right at the far end you have you know these small these very small scale focused tactics that's right and i think really i, I think what's important about tactics uh you know when i sort of could drill down from what i wanted out of this as a segment uh, on this series is I, I i don't like while in the future i think we could deep dive onto specific tactics and how they work and how you use them as a general concept tactics really i think the best way to think about them is the, the more you have the more tactics that you know and that you can utilize effectively the more options you have every time you play the game and not only that not just every time you play the game but every time when you're playing that you reach a decision point And so to reference the previous episode where we're talking about the OODA loop uh, and the third step is decision. Every time you reach that decision point, having a tactic gives you an option or an assortment of options that you can then action. And with that, it also gives you a faster way to reach for something as well. So your brain doesn't have to... It's the, The good thing about Legion with that is each one of those tactics, each one of those little options especially with Legion, it makes it even easier. We have keywords. Yeah. So your brain instantly links your tactic with a specific phrase or keyword. And yeah. that in itself is brain think of solution. Oh, it's 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 looking for one word as opposed to trying to form a sentence in, in essence for your brain. So looking at a board, you go, I need to do blah because of, oh, there's that keyword. It lets me do that. Cool. So there's my tactic. Yeah, exactly. And... I think the big thing with tactics um, and, and something that I talked to you about again when we were discussing strategy is that a lot of players tend to, especially when they're starting out, they mistake tactics for strategy, which is not accurate. And the reason I, th- like, you know, obviously, again, part of the reason that I think that is is because tactics are kind of easier to get because they're they're much simpler. They're by their nature, they're much smaller focused. You can grapple with them very quickly. 
And that's like both both a pro and a con um, because they're so easy to understand. You can learn them very quickly. But if you don't have those higher order skills developed, you can't apply them as effectively as you could because you don't really know why you're using a tactic if you're not thinking about that strategic sort of picture. But in terms of tactics overall, really, the more I thought about it, really tactics is kind of like rote learning, right? Like every time you learn a tactic, it's just memorization. It's just a... Oh yeah, like you know, um, you know, like examples I could think of was you know elements like with uh, when you take sniper strike teams, a tactic is to always make sure that only one of the like only the sniper model is exposed, because then that way if the unit gets targeted, the unit can't be destroyed, and you don't lose the heavy weapon because the sniper is the the leader, right? So that that's a tactic, or you know, doing things like um, you know I play with Imperial Royal Guard a lot when I'm playing Imperials. And so you can use the cohesion rules where, you know, as long as a model is within a speed one move of the unit leader, then they're in legal cohesion. But what that allows you to do is if you, you know, put them, if you put the models, the other models in the IRG unit um, at very different points from each other at the maximum possible distance away from the unit leader, when it comes to trying to uh, give guardian to other units, you can really maximize your bubble because you're sort of pushing it out. So these are just all like little tricks really that you just memorize over time. And what's great about them is what's really good is every time I play, uh, you know, people that I haven't played before, or especially if I'm playing uh, against a high level player, you know, pretty frequently, uh, you know, I would say like once every couple of games, someone will have a tactic that I haven't seen used before, or they'll use a tactic that I that I have used before, but in a different way. And what's great is once you see it, it's sort of like, you know, monkey see, monkey do, you go, oh, I get it now. And, you, and then that's like another tool in your tool belt that you can then sort of like try and develop a mastery over. And then, you know, the more and more you build that sort of skill set, again, like we talked with in the last episode where we talked about that, that sort of slow thinking versus fast thinking, having these tactics sort of inbuilt are really great fast thinking because you, you're spending your slow thinking time thinking about the strategy and then the tactics come automatically. You're like, all right, this is the goal I need to achieve. And then the tactics will just sort of automatically leap out at you as a, as a way of achieving. And you may not use them all the time. Uh, obviously, uh, FFG likes to change their rules up a, a little bit and just to keep the game fresh all the time. So like, like one of the big ones that got nerfed was that short trooper line. Yeah, right. So learning not just the tactics that you're used to, but then remembering other tactics Yes. Helps you continue to play after something that you've done for so long might change. Yeah. What are, what are, what are your thoughts, Dan? Um, yeah, so I really like um, the, the points uh, you guys are making. Um, so, uh, Jen, I'm not sure if I, I understood you right. So you're talking about, you know, it keeps uh, the, the gaming experience fresh for you um, as you're learning new tactics with the same yeah. army, with the same lists? So it might not, it's not just with the same list. As Luke said, every game you play, somebody will do something in a way that you haven't seen it before. Everyone. It doesn't matter if it's the same player because mm. every game should be slightly different in some way. So if you start not just looking at your tactics and what you use to get win your games, but what your opponent's trying to do to win their games, when... Things like FFG changing the rules slightly. So things like Shore Troopers getting their nerf or uh, what's another one that I can think of that happened that wasn't just the Shore Trooper Tonton issue? I mean, yeah, I was going to say you could talk snipers. about snipers reducing snipers. to range five. Yeah, 
So when things like that happen, instead of just going, oh, well, you know, rage quit, throw my army in the bin, burn it on the barbecue, don't want to play anymore, <laughs> a higher level player will go, well, I've already got other tactics and other tools that I can use, so I can then start looking at how to win in a different format. Mm. I think I think another I think another big thing as well. Uh, obviously, I would recommend to newer players that it's definitely probably more advisable to try and build your understanding of your faction. Like if you're playing one faction, obviously a bit of a different kettle of fish if you're going multi-faction early. But I would say generally, if you're sort of sticking with one faction early, it's I would say it's more advisable to learn their tactics really well. But as you as you're building your skill set, even if you're say you're you know you're an only an imperial player or only a rebel player or something like that, you know a part of this skill set becomes knowing the tactics of all the different factions. Uh, you know, for example, even if you're only a rebel player, you should have some form of conception of you know how say for example guards you know token sharing works, especially with things like standby or you know just just all the little elements like that. Because if you don't, then it's going to catch you out. And that's something that we talked about last time where the, the difference between known knowns, like, you know, these tactics, uh, by and large, something that if, if you can maximize as much as possible, they should be all known knowns. You should know about these tactics as much as you can. And unfortunately, often is the case when you're learning them, it's because they're unknown unknowns. You don't know that you don't know them until someone does it to you. And then you're like, oh, crud. Yeah. Oh, that was a thing. <laughs> but the good part about tactics is because as a piece of information, they're often really simple. And you're often learning them in a very direct experiential way. It's very, I find it's very easy to learn them. And especially if you've already sort of taken that time or if you're already, you know, making those efforts outside of, you know, the active game time to sort of improve the higher order, slower thinking, like hard skills, like strategy and planning like that. Tactics are just these like little great little things that you can just learn very quickly that then over time build up into a really good repository of knowledge that help make you a better player. And with that, you can look at the other thing with tactics, and especially with Legion, is it's not just your over-level tactics of how you're going to play the game, but like I know that it'll come up later in things like list building, but it's you can develop small tactics on each unit itself. Yes. So by using the upgrades that are available to you to actually give you more tricks continuously. Oh. So things like um, Endurance as a training card, because it'll remove two suppression, fixes a lot of issues where you're worried about, you know, running. Or targeting scopes if you're really worried about rolling bad. Yeah. Because it, it mitigates that damage. Or it mitigates that, that bad roll that you feel like you're going to get. So it, your tactics also develop with going back up the train as well. Totally, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some, something I just uh, sort of, um, you know, it, it, the right mindset helps you to develop your tactics, you know, helps you to learn your tactics. Um, so, you know, Luke, you're talking about, um, uh, you know, seeing, seeing somebody pull off a new trick or, you know, use, use a tactic you already know in a, in a different way. Um, so uh, I think, you know, you, you, to be able to pick those things up in a game, you've you got to have the, the right uh, mindset, you know, you've got to be open, uh, you've got to be, you know, first of all, aware of um, what your opponent's uh, doing uh, when they're employing new tactics, um, that, you know, th this is something that um, they're, they're intentionally doing, that, you know, something that they, uh, they have control over and it's leading to a good result. Um, you know, uh, with with that particular uh, action, uh, with that particular activation, 
um, you know, rather than focusing on things um, that um, your, your opponent can't control, like dice. Correct. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I think that's something, that's a really good point and it's something that we've stressed the whole way through is it's really, really important to have that mindset for that exact reason. It, 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 it makes that sort of learning process a, a lot easier, I, I think, in general. And yeah, it, it should be noted as well that I think something that a lot of players would have experience with that maybe wouldn't have like conceptualized is that certain certain aspects I would often say like niche elements of the rules or or like very specific interactions of the rule set can themselves become tactics because especially where lots of players might be unfamiliar with how how they work like how that sort of rule set unfold so like I'll give you a really good example uh, of this during during Moab during the final, uh, there was a situation where Sabine was trying to to run away, basically, or you know, sort of move across the battlefield more freely, and the Imperial player with uh, was really trying to tie Sabine down. And the Kencon final. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not yeah. Sorry, not Moab. Kencon. Yeah. This is what happens when yeah. you run too many events. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, and so, because of a quirky interaction of the rules. Uh, Jump allows you to ignore terrain, which basically until FFG, you know, FAQs it or erratas it or, you know, or maybe they just decide it's fine. Well, basically what you can do is if you're underneath, like say an awning, you can fly straight up through it. Like you can just jump through it because you ignore the terrain. So you, it, you just phase through the wall. Now, I guess you'd think of it as like with Boba Fett's, you know, backpacking, you just like flies up and out. Um, but now go back to what actually happened here. Right, and then as a result, Boba Fett, like that gave Boba Fett the extra movement to get into base contact with Sabine, which the Rebel player was not expecting. So what actually happened in that scenario was right, he, right. he went through a building. So the, the instance that Luke gave them was he goes up, but in fact, jump just allows you to jump through something. So he went straight through, you know, two solid walls. Basically, and yeah. And see through. Yeah, correct. Um, now, obviously, there's probably going to be some, uh, I have to imagine, some people in the audience, uh, no matter how small, uh, who are aghast because that will sound very gamey. And obviously, that's true. But I, I, I think whether like whether you want to judge these things or not, that's up to you. But lots of tactics like that, really tactics are just understandings of the gameplay. Whether you find that problematic is a separate issue. I mean, at a high-level event like what CanCon was, because it was effectively a national-level event, yeah, you're going to expect a lot of gamey play at the top table or getting to the top table. Yeah, I know, well, I, I definitely think that's, like, an aspect of it. I think it's more, though, uh, you know, it's a classic, like, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Like, if, if you do, legitimately, I sort of feel, if you have issues with certain, um, you know, inter- rules interactions or things like that, you know, like contact ffg like get on the forums or things like that there is a literal post for rules queries like that where totally you know and if there is an element that you found that like or a tactic that you feel is it feels bad you know generate discussion about it um you know some people i think get a little like you know if certain tactics uh they feel are oppressive other people get very bothered when you know 20 people put up on the facebook the star wars legion facebook group like ah this is broken i hate it but I do think that you should, as a player in the community, make your voice heard if something's bothering you because, I mean, that's how FFG gets feedback. But it's like, that's a whole other different kettle of fish we don't need to fall down. The point is, is that in terms of a game 
like a, from tactics perspective, just learn that information and put it in your tool belt until it's no longer acceptable. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, even though the, the rule um, doesn't make much sense, um, it is the, the, the current rule, uh, which we all need to play with. Um, so if you, if, you, if you know it, uh, even though you don't agree with it, you're, you're not going to be surprised uh, when your opponent pulls off a move like that. Correct. Yes, definitely. Um, all right, so are we happy to um, move on to this building, guys? Yeah, I think so. I th- yeah, 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 I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. My name's Rex. But you'll call me Captain or Sir. All right, all right. So um, you know, we we kind of stepping um, stepping back or stepping up now. Uh, we've gone you know from the very high level mindset strategy all the way down to uh, the the. Uh, tactical decisions we make in a game, and then we're coming back up to more, more of a strategic decision uh, process around this building. Um, so, what, what are you guys' uh, thoughts on, on the philosophy of uh, this building? You know, there, there are uh, different philosophies um, out there. You know, what, what high level philosophy drives your this building? You want, to, you want to jump in on this one first, Jeff? Well, well, mine runs off my play style and what I think I can achieve with a specific style of army. So uh, with my rebels, it was, you know, how do I get my little terrorists to do little terrorist-like things? And that's, <laughs> as bad as that sounds, it, it means it was me going, I want to have lots of small little units that run around causing havoc as opposed to, like, coming from uh, when I used to play Warhammer 30K and not 40K. And I would have big blocks of space marines. And I mean like 20-man units that would just stand there like a wall and be like, come at me. When you finally get here, there'll be like six of you and there's still 20 of me. Let's keep going. So going from a, a yeah, going so, from one style of gameplay to another, depending on what faction I'm playing. Right. But so more like play style, like the way yeah. you like to play driving your, your list design. So yes. Um, I'm definitely. I'm gonna put my. I'm gonna lay my cards on the table, gentlemen. I'm a dirty damn. I'm. I'm a meta boy, uh, at heart. <laughs> I was gonna say he's almost a netlist. Oh, 100. I am. God damn. Yeah. Like my, my. Yeah. Did like pe- people throw that one out like it's an insult? I, I really. Uh, that is it. That is. That's a whole other kettle of fish. I. I, I think to all all you aspiring, uh, you know, competitive gamers out there, man, netlist your heart out. Whatever. Like, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh. If someone has come up with a good list design, because the other big thing too, right, is that I think we've all seen this. Um, you know, good players can netlist and be successful. Bad, bad players ain't ain't going to do as well <laughs> like that. But it worked well for Luke Cook. It's like, yeah, but you're not Luke, Luke Cook, Cook, right? <laughs> That's it. Uh, but so I would definitely say I, I'm, I'm a, like, I'm at heart. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm like, a, I, I follow what I feel is the matter. I'm trying to create the strongest list possible for m- myself. However, I will caveat that uh, I would say like, if that's my major, I definitely have a minor in play style, which is there's definitely, th- like I've played all different lists. I can play all different lists. And I like, if they're, if they're on meta, I'll play them. But in general, I like I've found that I really enjoy character play the most, and in general, the character play that I find the most interesting and the most fun is either like in force users, just period. I find like wildly fun and really interesting and a really fascinating sort of game experience. But also things like Boba Fett and like other sort of really mobile have lots of cool command cards, things like that. They're just sort of character play really. I just fundamentally love 
So while I do meta, if there's a way that like I lean towards if I if I can play like a Jedi or something like that, that's what I'm gonna do. So stuff like you know when Double the Fall got popular, that I that was something I immediately gave a whirl. Or um, I mean, we had this discussion earlier, not not tonight, but before, where we talked about the fact that as you run a pod, uh, not a podcast, a YouTube channel, right? And I've been on it a few times. You like to run everything that you like to run, and half the time, or if not all the time, I like to run things that we don't normally see. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, you you mixing it up. Um, but yeah, I will say like and like you know to put this like also out there as well. For as much as I'm sort of outing myself as like a hardcore dirty meta netlister, <laughs> um, I equally also like recently during you know before we had to cancel because of you know put it you know definitely postponed because of COVID nineteen. Uh, all during the Sydney Skirmish League, and then prior to that, I was playing uh, a Darth Vader list. And uh, Darth Vader, I would say, is not at the top tier currently of, of meta in terms of you know what's considered great. But I think he, I think he's really fantastic, and especially if you know how to leverage his command cards and his tricks, you can really go far with him. So I had a lot of fun with that. Um, but in general, what I, I I'm often like a there's a really interesting thing that I'm sure we'll deep dive in on some point where like Magic the Gathering developed all these different player psychographs and I'm what's called a spike player, which is like, I like to, I like to win, but it's also, I like to win with style. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm like a spike tuner, which means that in general, I find it difficult to come up with overarching ideas myself. Like I don't necessarily have that ability to see the new like interactions in the way that other people can. But what I'm really good at is once I spot like an idea that someone else has come up with, I'm really good at like putting the nitrous on that engine and just kicking it up a notch. So, so, can, so what do they call the people that actually like to come up with the ideas? Cause I mean, that's, uh, I think they're Johnny's. I think that's i I'll have to, I'll have to link it. It's a fantastic, like that series that they like discuss all the different sort of psychographic, um, like what drives people to play games is really it's a really interesting thing to understand about yourself um, if you like haven't sort of come across the idea before it's like definitely I think really sort of helps you get more out of your game time if you know what motivates you to play but yeah so for me it's like meta, meta v play style so Fang what about you yeah I was just thinking about this uh, while I was listening to, to you guys uh, talk about your list building philosophies um you know, kind of when I started with Legion, it's a mixture of what's available um, and what I thought was cool. Um, so as you can imagine, it, it, it didn't make the best lists. Um, so, you know, I started off with, um, with the Imperial half of uh, the Corsair and, um, you know, got some uh, Stormtroopers, uh, got gifted an ATST and then bought by myself. Um, so... But off it's that just, thing. Um, you know, kind of like a real, uh, very limited selection uh, that went into my initial list, and um, uh, and then um, I, I really like the ATST. Um, you know, it's it's the coolest thing in the Imperial Army. Um, you know, these uh, these uh, massive uh, walkers uh, stomping around. You know, such an iconic unit in the, uh, in the original trilogy. Um, so I took, you know, WATST lists, um, I took a uh, to, uh, to the first um, back in 2018. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, kind of like it was
was it was trash uh, on the table, <laughs> um, and like you know, and, and I was really inexperienced, um, so I was a trash player uh, running a pretty trash, uh, inefficient uh, list. Um, so from from there, then I moved to um, you know, yeah, the, the dirty uh, meta net lists. Um, you know, I, I basically ran. Um, just imperial gun lines, different flavors of the imperial gun lines for more than a year. Um, so, you know, starting off with um, V's Boba Stormtrooper gun line, and then later on moving to, to the Stormtrooper uh, uh, gun line, where that became the, the meta. Um, and, you know, obviously had a lot more successes um, uh, on the table uh, in terms of winning games, um, and, you know, had a lot more success at uh, tournaments. Um, and then, you know, that, that got pretty stale, um, you know, playing playing the same kind of um, uh, uh, going line list uh, for more than a year. Um, and then recently uh, uh, moved to playing uh, playing beta as well, uh, playing operative uh, beta, uh, playing some Jubats, uh, you know, kind of really experimenting again, mixing things up. Um, on the tabletop, like really mixed results, um, but, you know, it, it's a lot more fun. Um, you know, it, it's... Uh, freshen up my my legion experience uh, playing with uh, with some completely different lists you know more close combat orientated uh, lists uh, more of a more of a mixed mixed bag you know a lot less uh, activation control i definitely i definitely sort of want to drill down where, like we were talking about you know you sort of you felt like you played that in pit like i like i've had this experience before where you play the same type of list especially if you've taken it to a bunch of tournaments and you've sort of been playing at a high level for a while where you sort of, it starts to feel like it's almost plays itself and then you just sort of like pressing the random number generator result to see if you win or not, right? Like the, cause you know, you know what all the optimal choices that you need to make are, right? So then like, you know, as humans, we crave novelty, right? So this is like the opposite of that. You find it, you start to find it, as you say, very stale, quite boring. And I, I think, like, what you're doing is, like, the best thing you can do is to then just start trying to, like, explore different list options or, you know, that's how a lot of people end up with, like, a second or third army because that challenge of trying to master a different meta. Like, you know, all right, I'm really good with Imperials or Rebels, but I have no idea how droids work. But you know that, that you can be a strong droid player. Like, that's how, I think that's how a lot of people end up, you know, that sort of in that space where you're trying, you know, a bunch of new things just to keep it. Yeah. It helps, it helps you with uh, your development as a player, um, you know, uh, gain, gaining uh, exposure to all sorts of different uh, lists and factions. Um, and yeah, you know, and there's things you, you can only learn. Piloting, letting, um, so, you know, it's, it's really, uh, really good having that, that broad range of experience, I think. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's also uh, I think it's also like really important that we because I guess it's maybe why it's not necessarily what motivates the three of us. I think it's really important to sort of touch upon the fact that like one of the big drivers of list design could be theme, right? And for a lot of players, is theme. They want to run a Hoth list, or they run to run a Scarif list, or or a Geonosis list, or, or something like that. Uh, what are going even further down that track? They know what the rules are like, and they want to run a Sith list. Yeah, right, or something like that. Or, you know, or in the case of they maybe want to run, like, Vader's Fist or the 212th or, you know, a specific, you know, um, sort of element of a faction, right, like a specific, you know, army or, or unit or something like that. Uh, and I think, one, that is, like, obviously 
super like I, I love seeing thematic armies on the table, but I also think that just because you're running a thematic army or that's like the overarching sort of philosophy driving your list building, if like if that is what's driving it, doesn't mean that you can't try and make it competitive, right? You just basically all you're doing is just putting more constraints on yourself. Um, you just you're just imposing certain arbitrary rules. Will that make it harder because you're limiting your options? Yeah, of course. Fundamentally, that's always going to be the case. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. And like some of the most fun I've had is uh, not necessarily theme as such, but more like sort of play style. You know, I definitely remember doing the height of uh, when sniper teams were quite oppressive. I just, I, you know, still in in many ways do. I just find this sort of sniper mini game quite. Uh, it does it does very little for me, gentlemen. Um, so sometimes I, if I'm making a list, I'll often just be like, how can I make this list just sing, but without any without any strike teams? And like this is why he likes his droids so far. Triple saboteurs. You're right. It'll take triple stabs or, or you know, or run droids or whatever. Um, you know, theme is like if you're running to a theme, like a thematic constraint, that's the same thing, like same sort of problem, just you know, just different units. Like maybe you're saying okay, I can only run rebel veterans or I can only run, you know, I can't run stormtroopers because I'm running shore troopers and stuff. Like you could do a pretty, you do a pretty damn good meta scarf list uh, if you if you wanted to for theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, in coming back to uh, play style, you know, if you really enjoy a particular play style like, you know, guerrilla warfare like Jim was talking about or... You know, just close assault, you know, getting there as soon as uh, as you can and just kill inside. Um, or, you know, you, you enjoy um, uh, building building a list uh, that's very controlling, um, you know, that, that kind of just suffocates your opponent. Uh, it's not so much fun for your opponent, but, uh, you know, it can be can be a lot of fun uh, playing controlling uh, style lists. Um and there are quite yeah, that, a few that's, controllers. That's your philosophy when you're building a list. Right, definitely. All right. So um, I think, you know, we, we've uh, covered uh, uh, these building philosophies um, in, in enough uh, depth. Um, what are the major – and we kind, of, we kind of started talking about this already, so it's a nice segue. What, what, are, what are the major list archetypes in, uh, in uh, Legion? Yeah. Well, I mean, to begin with, the two big ones at the moment are your gunline and your aggressive lists. So, and they basically sit in the line of, up until the newer factions had come in, it was Empire play gunlines, and to a lesser extent, Rebels will play more aggressive guerrilla warfare style tactics, where it's they're they're trying to get up in your face and get close because punching you is better. Yeah, and I, I would say in general, I think a lot of a lot of these aggressive lists, at least currently, uh, could probably be drilled down even further in the sense of, like most of them that you'll see are pretty like character driven, right? They're normally like the aggressive, you know, the aggressive lists are normally, um, you know, a cut, maybe like one, like you know, generally one, maybe two, uh, like quite punchy, um, you know, often force user characters that want to get up in the grill and have a lot of have a lot of tricks to them. So, you know, like a, a, li- a list focus around Luke and like all the different command cards available to to him are a really good example. Or, you know, a Vader list is another great, you know, example of that sort of aggressive... Not aggressive inherently. That doesn't mean that they're like... It's just that they're, they're much more... Like where they're doing their damage is much more close range, right? They don't want to yeah. just sit back and, 
um, you yeah. know, shoot necessarily. Th those lists are designed to be close because in that kind of a scenario, things like terrain uh, are negated because effectively you're trying to get close enough to your opponent where you, you're basically hitting them with your, your rhythm stick. You're going to get the lightsaber up there or uh, for those people that do like to run Sabine, you've got her shock prod that she wants to smack people around with or... Yeah, and I think so. I think what's like an interesting point as well is that, you know, some of those sort of like closer range, I think close range is probably the better way to like to describe that archetype. Have you know some of them are more like aggressive, get out there and punch you in the face. So things like you know if you have a couple, like one but or multiple dewbacks, tauntauns are a really great example of like are just gonna you know they they're gonna charge you at some point. They're gonna come up at you and try and you know just on on your face. Wookies, uh, wookies, um, although you don't currently currently see them very often. But like you know Luke, even I would say is a hero is like the kind of hero that wants to just get in. And, like, sort of force the issue, whereas I'd say some other lists, like Grievous is another one where, where he wants to force the issue, whereas some other sort of their close range... Like Obi-Wan, who's, yeah. who's not really... He's, he's a force the issue if you need to, but he's he's actually more of a force multiplier. He stands there and lets the rest of his army do the, Correct. the, better, the better stuff. Yeah, and I'd say, like, yeah, and I'd say Vader's, like, very similar in that Vader's, like, a control piece. Like, he wants to just lock down an area of the board and then, you know, use the objectives to force you to engage him on his terms yeah. rather than, like, try and come at you, bro. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, obviously, the other big one that we're going to see soon, um, obviously, with the emergence of the AAT and the Sabre, will be more tank-heavy or vehicle-heavy lists, especially now that we're getting STAPs and ATRTs into the uh, the newer factions. Into the newer factions. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'd say that that's probably, like, the main archetypes. And then, sort of, obviously, there's a lot of variety within that, um, within that sort of spectrum as well. And I think really, like, when you sort of, you know, aside from, like, what's motivating your, your list building, a lot of the time what you're trying to, to do, and we were discussing this before the show, you know, when you're list building, you're trying to execute like a strategic design, right? You're already like, saying, I think you had this like really great point when we were discussing it earlier that it's, you're already like in the way you're designing your list, you're already sort of creating a preferred way, like a way the game should go for you if you're doing it well, right? Like, and so if you've got a gun line sort of archetype, obviously you just want to like sit there and shoot stuff. And then, you know, you, then you'll just walk over your opponent's corpses to secure the objectives because you'll have blasted them probably from range. Whereas maybe someone like Vader is, I'm going to lock down this point and that's my preferred way of playing. And, you know, that's what's influencing my list design. Yeah, so, so your, um, the, the list you've designed um, has, has a huge influence on, on the strategy uh, you're going to pursue uh, on your on your strategic uh, goals. You know when you actually you know sit down to play the game. Definitely, and it also in a large part as well. You know, fundamentally, you can't. You know, this, this might shock all of you. You can't fit literally everything into a list, and as a result, because of that narrowing, you uh, you know you you're removing certain uh, options from your tactical tool belt, right? Like if I'm running a layer list and I don't have Luke. I can't be like, oh, I'll just dive in deep with my Jedi and just chop things up. If I don't have a Jedi, that's not a, that's not a tactic I can pursue. That's not a strategy available to me, right? And even even looking at shoreline lists, I mean, looking at from going from Moab to CanCon, I had all these upgrades that I had to start cutting down. If you start looking at efficiencies, is your list efficient enough to do what you want it to do? If you've got 50 different upgrades that you are like, yeah, well, I need all these things to make my tricks work. 
but you can't fit enough stuff into your list to make the list actually work the way you want it to. You then have to start trimming the fat yeah. to get it to a point that you want to want to run it to. And I guess like that's obviously the next point, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, I, you go. You go. Um, list building is not a one and done thing, and it should, nobody should ever think that it is. Like looking at it personally, I, I used to play forty k. Everyone used to, and I used to net list, and we all used to go, "Oh, look, well, that list is great." But it's like the person that's done that has one run that list through the gauntlet, started off with an idea, and then trimmed it down so that it was hyper efficient to what it was initially, and they'll continue to do that. So you'll probably see ten or twelve iterations of the same list. Mm. From its its base model to its its final cut. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that something that you sort of mentioned with your own sort of list building experience, I think there's this real sort of push-pull between, as you say, you know, including certain upgrades or certain units to give you certain tactical or strategic options or certain, or even like on a much more micro scale, like certain tricks, right? You know, for example, you know, maybe like, it's like quite literally, like if I whether I take Jedi mind, mind trick on Luke or not, right? Is a it's a tactical decision, and there's this push pull between having options in the way of upgrades or certain units or th- things like that versus uh, you know maximizing your efficiency and synergy. And really, like when you're list building, you're trying to sort of find that perfect balance between the two, where you're trying to maximize as much as possible the amount of synergies and efficiencies you have while also maintaining, you know, like what, what you deem to be a comfortable level of, you know, options. Um, so um, help, help me to understand that, that point. Um, so, I mean, I get, I get synergies, you know, that that's a big feature of FFG game design. And that's actually, you know, one, one of the main things that attract me to, to the games. You know, there's just, um, uh, it's, it's very well thought out, um, all the different um uh, keywords, the, the different units, um, and they, they build these synergies uh, into them to, to encourage you to define them, and that that's how you uh, you become a, a better player and become more successful competitively. Um, so, you know, how, how does that how does that balance off against the, the options that's available to you in the help, help me understand that. So basically, what I, I guess what I'm trying to refer to is that. You know, when, when you when you're building a list, uh, you know you are you are constrained by a variety of factors, right? Like the most obvious is you maximum you only have 800 points available, right? You also have the force organization chart, um, sort of. Li- like you have you have certain constraints imposed. Um, oh, so you say you know you can't get an unlimited number of synergies into any given list. So you got to pick and choose. Which well, it's not even just that. As well, it's not even just that. Like what I was going to say is like so you you inbuilt have these structural constraints, but you also beyond that have I guess your your sort of I guess like self imposed constraints that are maybe reflective of like what you want the list to be able to do. So maybe for example, if I say I was like building a list, and this is something that like happens like comf- like quite often. Say if I want to get to a certain activation count, like maybe I want to get to, I'd say like for a lot of players, it's 10, like 10 is like the, the comfort number, the comfort number. Right. And it doesn't mean that it's always true. Right. Like I've happily run double the four, which is like eight activations and you're pretty just fat on two characters and bare bones on like a lot of the other stuff. But for a lot of players, maybe, you know, you have this comfort number or you have this goal in mind um, in terms of like activations that, you're then sort of trading off against, oh, you know, I want 
targeting scopes or I want a uh, I want a comms technician HQ uplink in this squad so that I can do all these like cool tricks and you know you're trying to find the balance point between a variety of different concerns right so you're trying to find the balance point between all the different resources that you will have in the game and sort of as you as you remove sort of like um, you know options in terms of like activations or upgrades, you um, you like generally that's like what you're trading off uh, for efficiency. Like as you cut closer to bare bones, you're removing lots of options in general because you just have like just straight units as they are, or you know however however you have it designed. Yeah. 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 Generally. Um uh, for me, at least, the, the, the list building process goes something like this. Um, so, you know, I, I want to, say, build a, uh, a, shore, a shoreline. Um, so, you know, I start off with putting the uh, the three shore troopers and the three mortars. Um, so, you know, most, most of the units go in there um, pretty quickly. Right. Um, and um, and then the most, most amount of time spent on list building is... Uh, is playing around with those upgrades. Um, so do I take a third sniper and then drop these upgrades on the short troopers, or do I not not take the third uh, third sniper? Um, so I can you know really beef up uh, the, the the short troopers. Uh, that that's where I you know I, I agonize over my decisions, and I imagine a, a lot of gamers <laughs> agonize over overly detailed list building decisions. I, no, I think that I 100% agree. And that's sort of like what I'm referring to is like when you get to that sort of nitty gritty like end stage. Like so I think most players, uh, when they're like, especially when they're comfortable with a faction and, and they have a rough conception of, you know, what they feel is like a good, you know, reflection of the meta or, or the theme that they're going for or the play style that they're going for, you sort of develop, as you sort of hinted at, these like pre-built chunks of a list that you just sort of plug in, right? Like, so where you're talking about like, all right, I, I want it to be a shoreline. Here's my three shore trooper units, my three mortars. And you probably even have like a rough upgrade suite that you know you want on them already constructed, yeah. right? And that's like a like a sub-element of your list that you already just like have worked out you like. It's pre-populated, pre-planned. And if you use it often enough, you know exactly how many points it rolls into. So then at your 800 point limit, you go... Oh, there's 372 points or whatever that the number. There's nearly half my list gone, but there's six activations. Yeah, and and it's sort of like as you said, I think I think it's what is very common is like that. Is that last like 50 points where you're playing around, as you say, between like a, between an activation or between upgrades on you know where you can't get everything. Where you go, okay, I can either get this upgrade on this unit or this upgrade on that unit. What? is better, right? And that's where obviously that iterative process is important because maybe you try both and you sort of get a feel. Um, and something to stress is like, you know, uh, while I think activations are incredibly important, I think in some ways FFG like criminally undervalues them sometimes. As a player, you should also not like get hung up on that as well. Like I've had lists where I've gone, oh man, if I, I can fit an extra activation in there, but it might not actually help the list. Like it might not at all. Like, okay, the, double like, the fault. Right, right. Whereas, like, I, you can squeeze a double the four where you have a like a really bare bones core, and then you fit a ninth activation uh, squad of droidicas. Or now you could probably get it to like ten if you included two BXs. But whether or not that actually improves the list dramatically, you know, might not be a guarantee. Yeah, and, and 
that iterative um, process to refine the list, um, you know, that can go on for a very long time. Because, um, you know, with, um, uh, with, with Legion as it is, um, you know, if you want to get a good idea, um, you know, how, how good this list is, you know, this, this latest version, this latest iteration of the list, you know, you're going to play against all four factions, um, probably, you know, two, three times each. Uh, you're going to play against um, all sorts of different um, players. Um, and, you know, within each uh, faction, there's also, you know, very different lists that, that people can build. Um, so, you know, we talk about um, lots of games to, to get a really good feel for, for a specific version of the list. Yeah, and I, I think sort of what's interesting, uh, definitely when you're list building, uh, especially within like a competitive space, you're constantly, you're trying to hit a constantly moving target, right? You know, what is the meta is always changing based on, you know, what people, like what uh, strengths in the meta people are finding or, you know, what people are working out. Uh, and also as new releases, are, you know, are, for lack of a better word, are released, right? As new releases are put out there, that that is a, con- yeah, that constantly shifts. I think what's, uh, you know, maybe like, I agree in general where you're saying, you know, like to really work out, to put a list through its paces, you have to play like potentially a ton of games. I'd say the number there is about, it's between 15 and 20. Well, what I was going to say, right, because I think for a lot of people that like might sound really scary, what is interesting is that I think as you develop as a player, haha, <laughs> hey, I see what uh, you did there. Uh, your ability to judge a like a list strengths and weaknesses and what matchups it would be favored in, uh, or you know, or even or even more on like a local level, like what players you would be worried about, uh, your ability to judge that accurately gets much better, right? You can you can look at a list uh, once you've built that experience base and sort of identify, oh, you know what? If I come up against like a vehicle list, I might have a tough time, and then you can already start to pre-develop. Well, how would I deal with that? Like, what's my strategy? Like, what do I what do I need to do? Are well, there a minimum number of tools in my belt in this list that can actually deal with that? Yeah, and because you obviously like can never, you know, and this I think it's a good segue into this, like an idea that I was discussing, you know, before the show with you guys. I think, uh, I think Fang's point about that, you know, like when you're list building, you're you're already setting up like a preferred way of play or like the way you want the game to sort of pro- like progress on a strategic and tactical level. And I think that sort of kicked off this idea for me of a really good way to describe the difference between a skew list and a balance list is the more uh, a list has increasingly like closer to one preferred way it wants to play, like one way it wants the game to go and like one set of strategies and tactics that it has, the more it gets closer to like that number the more skew it is and the more options, like the more, the greater number of strategies and tactics that you can potentially apply, like the more balanced it is, but neither one is like inherently better than the other, right? Like you could, like the problem that balanced lists often have is that classic, like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, the second half of that, that aphorism is oftentimes better than master of one. But if a skew list catches a balance list and the skew list gets to do what it wants to do, it's probably going to kick the balance list, butt because if it's a good skew list and it gets to play the game it wants to play, it should win. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to a timing piece there. Right. Not, not, not even just a knowledge piece, but a timing piece. Because if you look at a skew list versus a balance list there, you go, cool, if the skew list does X, Y, and Z in this order, it doesn't matter what the balance list can do because it might have an answer to it 
but that answer might take two more, two or three more turns, and that's time wasted. Yeah, but it, but it is uh, yeah. I think it's like a really interesting uh, like a lot of um, and for good reason, right? Like I think in general, when you're starting as a player, I would I would advise shooting for balanced lists because a lot of the time, uh, the real higher level of skill that comes with a skew list is learning how to play them when they're not able to do inherently what they want to do. That that is that is a real skill to be able to do that because you're fundamentally playing like. A, a, like a game with a handicap already, right? Like if your if your list wants to get up in the face of your opponent, or or maybe like a great like a great example would be say if you're an imperial gunline list and you get limited viz, you know knowing how to deal with that is is a is a real higher order skill. So I think often having balanced lists where you can do a little bit of everything, but maybe not the best, um, you know, gives you that flexibility to sort of hang tough. Um, but yeah. I think I was just kind of, kind of feel like that can be uh, a whole new segment in itself um, in, in a future episode. Um, you know, I, I for one would would like to uh, like to learn how to how to make those adjustments because uh, because uh, I, I usually completely fail in um, those scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I'll, look, I'll give my cliff like off the cuff, like what my what my feeling of that is. Um, when you're when you're like especially say you've got like a poor list matchup or something like that, the the turn zero becomes wildly more important. Like it's already really important. It becomes like exceptionally important because you're already at a disadvantage. You cannot afford to have a, like another disadvantage stacked on top of that, and you need to sort of create a window in which you can like have this narrow path to victory. And a lot of the time, I find when you're playing. Uh, like your non-preferred style, and this is where I think the system of Legion shines, you're probably going to have, your army's going to be probably getting its butt kicked on the board, but you need to be like laser focused on the objective. And, you know, a lot of the times when you win those sorts of games, you might have like five dudes left at the end of the game, but they're holding the three boxes and you're like, yeah, I won. <laughs> Although with the uh, new that tournament system, epic. that might change a little bit. Well, then that'll change definitely, right? Because then you know that margin of victory becomes more important. But hey, step one, I will say, like if you if you want to win tournaments, the, the first problem is always win your games. Then worry afterwards about how much you won by. <laughs> uh, sounds sounds sensible to me. Uh, anything else on this building, guys? I'm good. You got any thoughts, Chad? Like obviously, we've already touched on um, the the the, uh, the time it takes. I'd say to to go on that point that you were saying that you were having difficulty there. A lot of it is reflection and going back yeah. to that player development series that we just did. Uh, again, when going out of Ma- uh, Moab, where I saw four of the exact same copy of my own list, one of which I'd handed to a player to use two days beforehand, and then went, "Oh, I'm surprised it actually turned up." I was um. I then spent, you know, a good three months afterwards tweaking. Right. So everything takes time and practice and knowledge, and a lot of that comes with reflection as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking also that, um, you know, like anything else we, we talk about in this play development is, uh, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. So this building is connected to, to my set, to... The strategy you want to follow uh, to, uh, uh, to to the tactical decisions you, you make uh, during the game. Hundred um, percent. So uh, so I think you know it's it's um, really important 
but um, not to kind of get get too obsessed with um, list building, with you know, kind of like making the perfect list with a perfect um, uh, list of um, upgrades uh, and units and the perfect list of uh, synergies. Um, it's, it's important to uh, you know every once in a while step back and look at you know where where does your list sit um, in, in relation to to all the other important elements um, uh, of of gameplay. Definitely. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, yeah, and I think it's also, you know, this is something that we sort of touched upon as well earlier in the list building as well. List building can be like a really good place to, to also take a step back and sort of think about like, all right, like, why am I playing? Is it, you know, am I trying to win or am I trying to have fun, right? Or is it a bit of, bit of you know, a little column A, a little column B? And I think that's important to do because, you know, Fang, like, you know, and I, I've had very similar experiences to yours as you, as you were discussing where you played a list a lot, you'd done that sort of journey with it, and then, you know, you now reached a point where it's kind of stale. If you didn't take that step back to sort of analyze, like, man, like, how am I feeling? Like, what's motivating me here? Maybe you just keep playing the same list and you just reach a point where you're like, wow, I'm just not enjoying myself. And you just, you know, stop, yeah. play, stop playing. Yeah. Which is a valid choice. But obviously, if you're trying to have fun with this hobby, you know, every now and then you should take a step back and sort of be like, what am I doing here? Like, am I trying to win a big tournament? So that's why I'm like sticking with this one list and I'm like grinding on it. Or am I like, you know what, I just want to mix it up and try some of the new units or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I kind of feel like this could be um, another episode idea as well. Um, you know, kind of how, how, to, how to balance all of that. Because um, I think you know most of us um, obviously enjoy uh, winning games. Um, you know a lot of us enjoy going to big tournaments, um, and I think all of us um, like to have fun uh, when we're playing. Um, you know we, we like these um, you know to, to kind of build these stories uh, from our games and, and have a great time, having cracking time with uh, with our opponents. Um, so you know how to how to keep all those different. Um, often competing uh, aspects of, of the hobby uh, in balance. Um, you know, that might be an idea for a future episode. No, I think, I think it's a really good idea. I mean, I just want to get on the record. I, I'm totally a masochist. I had having fun. Um, yeah, my, my objective is to have the least amount of fun as possible every time I play. Fun's that, overrated. Your fun's overrated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly. I agree completely, right? You're trying to balance all these, all these different things. Uh, Factors. Not with that guy. No, I'm not. He, he normally <laughs> is that guy. <laughs> he hasn't made his opponent cry at the end of the match. He's not I, happy. I, I am that episode of South Park where like Cartman licks the tears of <laughs> uh, Scott Tenement's face. Yeah. Like, I, I want my opponent to be Scott Tenement. I want to be Cartman. Uh, I, I am just reinforcing uh, stereotypes here, Luke. Yeah, it's true. No, I really have to like like lampshade how firmly my tongue is in in my cheek right now, just in case anyone's like, "Wow, this guy is a complete." Oh, no! I'm like, um, I, I am an. Oh, no! I'm just not. Oh, no! But I'm not a complete one. <laughs> oh, Kara's gonna have fun with this episode. No, we've been pretty good on the bleeps. There have not been that many bleeps, yeah. actually. I think we've yeah. only been like four or five, but I, I like coming up with a different sound every episode. It's kind of fun. Yeah, that's her season. Like, the, <laughs> like that was what she discovered about herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, thank you, Carl, for all the amazing work you do. Um, and 
you know, editing, uh, keeping us organized, coming up with some you know, really creative um, ideas and sound effects, um, you know, making us uh, sound so much better than, than we actually are. Um, it is my Speak pleasure. for yourself there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I really wish we could do like a way to like modulate my voice and just like, no, this is actually how I sound without or, like the audio enhancing. <laughs> right? Like, like auto-tune? Yeah, yes, auto-tune. <laughs> I don't know if you don't talk to the voice box. Yeah, do that. Yeah, do that. <laughs> this is how I always sound. Like. <laughs> there we go. There's actual loop, people. Yeah, and this and this nice baritone. That's like that's that's all her magic. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so guys, this is right uh, through this uh, season one, through uh, episodes one to seven. Um, I feel like I've made major progress uh, towards my degree in uh, cat herding. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, along the way, you know, lots of laughs, uh, lots of uh, surprises. Um, you know, it's, it's been, been you know, a bit of a journey, journey of discovery as we all kind of you know, dive into this novel experience of podcasting together. Yeah, I definitely, for me, I definitely, I can never fully decide whether I come away after each recording reinvigorated uh, uh, on, uh, you know, just the experience of being a human being or totally just like, what the f*** am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we're doing the player development stuff where like every, like every, like you boil it down to like anything good in life worth doing is going to take time and it's really hard. You're like, wow, what a <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> this was your series, but I know. How do you think that makes me feel? Giving him a complete existential crisis. <laughs> Goes home and stares at the wall. How do you think our listeners feel after the episode? Put that in the description of the episode. And thank you to our listeners. Um, you know, uh, from, from looking at the, uh, at the numbers, the, the analytics. Um, we know that many of you uh, are very loyal. You know, you, you listen to um, uh, almost all the episodes, and you know, uh, a lot of you listen have listened to every single one. So, yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, all the uh, all the disasters that happen every single episode. We're gonna have so Kara had a really great idea. We're gonna do a survey monkey to uh, basically, if you're unfamiliar, it's an anonymous survey where you can. My first question that I would like to put in the survey, and it's a great segue from what you just said, Fang, where you said, you know, we had, the most of our, view, our listeners have been very loyal, have listened to all of the episodes. My first question is, why? <laughs> so, on, on, like, like, why? It's just question one. Just oh, why? Are you okay, yeah. On a slightly more serious note with that, thank you all for listening through that terrible first two episodes of our recording that we did, because uh, that was... <laughs> That was some shocking hey, work. Hey, every every show's got to have its pilot. The pilot's always rough. Like we had some technical issues. <laughs> yes, yes, we had so many technical issues, <laughs> and we couldn't blame COVID like we can right now. <laughs> it's great. Uh, we haven't got better. Your expectations have gotten lower. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Charlie. We'll be back in the spring with the exact same content. Circus uh, Simpsons, nineteen whatever to now. What, what what questions would you want to ask, Fang? I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, jeez. Uh, really yeah, that's right. Now you know how it feels, <laughs> bud. After the recording. <laughs> um, 
so you know, um, yeah. Why why have you listened to every single episode for for those loyal listeners? Um, you know, what what what? Um, uh, so you know, what, what did you like? Um, so then we can do more of it. Um, and also, you know, are there things we haven't covered um, in season one that you you'd like uh, to see us dive into uh, for season two? So you know, any any new ideas um, uh, that um, that you have? Yeah. Yeah, you know, let us know. We, we would uh, love to love to hear all your ideas. Yeah, I mean, we really do want the players to drive this because it is the three of us more often than not sitting in a room having a chin wag before we actually record. That, Sh- that, shirts optional at that point. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes <laughs> shirts optional. I mean, at, in the evening. I would just like to say, I always wear a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> She's not always here, but <laughs> but um. But um, like to, to go on that, like realistically, we do we do this as much for us as we do it for you. So we want to hear what you guys want and don't want. It's a big thing. Like I I know that I don't want to hear headset voiceover anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Shot fired. Son. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So at that point, you know, we will invest in more tech to get you guys better quality stuff. We, we did invest in a new internet line, so we're currently running at 85 meg a second. I mean... That, for, for Americans, that, that's good by Australians. Please don't add us with your fantastic speeds. Yeah, I, yeah. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we would like to be able to play in real time all the time, but unfortunately, you know, I can only do it between the hours of uh, five and midnight. That's not bad. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, by Australian standards. Yeah. No, I know. I, well, I am Australian, so yes. Uh, I, I actually, I lie. I have one more question I would like to know. This is entirely not about in improving the quality of the, the podcast. It's own, my, my own personal gratification. How many existential crises have you had? <laughs> and is it as many as I have had while recording these? Do let me know. Really curious. <laughs> See, I, I was going to say, how many people actually enjoy us having a, a sound over the F-bombs? I mean, I know it's a US favorite thing, but, you know, maybe do we, do we Do we, like, have one, un- oh, maybe that's what we should do. We should have un- one unbleeped one. In it could be so, like, where's Wally? Like, five so, so we, Hang on, hang on. Are we enacting the, the fifth trooper rule of Luke gets one? Yeah, I get one. PG-13, I get one. <laughs> An episode. It won't be that one, however. <laughs> it better be. It better, God, that better be the first Maybe time. Maybe it will. Who knows? So you better make it a good one, Luke. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll do my best. Alright, uh, so I'm just writing down by a microphone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Subtle hit, subtle. Yeah, that's subtle. I'd hate right, to see your, your non subtle. <laughs> Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, honestly. Um, and um, we, we're going to take a break now. Uh, we will definitely be back, uh, bigger, stronger, uh, more nice uh, for season two. And I mean, we may do something uh, in the interim. Then, I'm your host, Sydney uh, Exhaust Port Designer Fang, with my co-host, Support Officer Cooper, and Intel Officer Fucking Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Please be that one. <laughs> I, I can't believe that. Yes, I, I knew it. That was too good. I cannot believe that. All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs>
If you like this podcast, please follow our Facebook page by searching We Are Legion Podcast and subscribe to the show via your favourite podcast platform. Voiceover and post-production by General Kara Organa. This has been a Master of the Force production. And now for something completely different. I love how we're still recording and yet you've walked into the kitchen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even remotely surprised. Cooper but. at his most professional. Fame, I will say <laughs> the the one the one this benefit. Is the outtakes. We're fine. The he one... hasn't said, "May all your rolls be crits." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got it. Uh, you said it this time. Don't at me like that. Don't at me like that. No, no, no. It's when you start talking about Age of Empires one. Oh. Lord. What are you talking about? I play Age of Empires 1. Look at oh, no! Came out in 1995. Yeah, it doesn't mean I didn't play it. Oh, no! What do you think we played on in primary school computers when we could get away from the teachers? Nothing. I played SimCity 2000. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you old. <laughs> doesn't mean... There you, there you go. SimCity 2000. That's where I'm like, all right, you lost me. <laughs> I can't be like Age of Empires. It's this little hidden indie gem. <laughs> Don't know if you've ever heard of no it. No one knows about it. <laughs>